Not 10, not 20, not 30, not 40, but episode 50. Time to celebrate. This is Share the Knowledge. For the last 22 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist, and I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is Share the Knowledge. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. One, two, one, two, what's going on? Welcome to the Share the Knowledge podcast. I'm DJ TLM, and this is episode 50, yes, 50 of my educational podcast for DJs. This is where I share my 25 years of experience. This is my Q&A show for DJs. I answer as many questions as I can and talk about anything DJ related, anything that comes to mind, anything special that happened recently, try to keep it current, and most importantly, just try to add value to you, the DJ community, any way I can. And share the knowledge is more than just the podcast, and it's more than just the slogan for my YouTube channel, DJ TLM TV. It is all about really getting you guys to communicate and share. And I'm seeing more and more of this happen in comment sections on YouTube, Instagram, anywhere where I see other people asking me questions and you jump in and answer it when you know the answer. And that's lovely to see. That's what we need. We need that communication. We need people to educate and help each other instead of having this divide between all sorts of DJs, young, old, vinyl, digital, you name it. It's not about that. So when you share, you can educate at the same time, and hopefully we can all become better DJs and enjoy this thing we call DJing. Now, like I said, episode 50, a special episode. Uh, I'm not done. I'm just getting started. So hopefully we'll get to episode 100, 200, and so on and so on. But because 50 is a nice number, I do want to celebrate. So I'm going to do a special giveaway Two giveaways, actually, so you want to stay tuned, keep listening, or if you're watching on YouTube and you're watching one of the clips, and this will definitely be a clip, stay tuned as well. Every Monday, I drop a new podcast. You can check the podcast on iTunes, Anchor, SoundCloud, and a lot of other places as well. And I take some clips and post those on my YouTube channel, TV. If you haven't seen my channel, go check that out. I drop a lot of different videos like tips, tricks, tutorials, and Q&A videos. And today, I want to do a lot of Q&A because last week, I received so many questions that I only got to about half of the questions. So I have plenty of questions left. That's basically what I'm going to do right now. I also want to add, it is hot in here. I just did a workout, feeling great. It feels like summer is almost here, and uh, I have some decks right in front of me. I've been testing the new Arec app by uh, Pioneer. If you're not familiar with that app, it's an app for iPhone. I think it's only for iOS right now, which allows you to record your set digitally on your iPhone straight from the mixer. Now this only works with a couple of Pioneer mixers. So Pioneer was kind enough to send me a 900 Nexus 2 because I have a 900 SRT, the Serato edition, doesn't work with that. So I have the Nexus 2 right here and it allows you to just plug into that special USB port they have on top, USB to lightning cable, connect that to your phone and that's gonna give you your audio. You can record your sets. You can also use it for live streams and use the audio from this. So if you're streaming from your phone, the camera will capture the image, but you can use the audio straight from your mixer. 
pretty cool, and I'll drop that video soon. I want to do a little bit more testing. I still have to test the stream function, but I know that it works. I've seen people use it. So that's coming soon. That's why I have a 900 Nexus 2 right here. Uh, I forgot which other mixes it works with, but I guess that's on the Pioneer site, and I'll definitely mention it in my video. So that's the Rec app by Pioneer. Let me just jump into these questions on Instagram. Normally before the podcast, I go on Instagram and I tell you guys like, yo, I'm about to record a new episode. If you have any questions, let me know. And like I said, I received so many questions that in this case, I had to just divide, cut it in half and stop. Otherwise the episode was gonna be way too long. So first question I see here is, are you gonna move to the Rain 72? Lots of people on the web have already made the switch. Now, I highly doubt that, I actually have to say. I'm not just talking about myself because I do wanna test that 72 more. I've only used it once uh, at the dance fair here in the Netherlands. They had a setup with the Rain 12s and the 72. Really liked the feeling of the 12s and the mixer was nice too. I mean, I have an S9. There's a lot of similarities between the two and they both have their separate little features as well. I don't see, currently don't see a reason why I would switch because I did not see enough features on the 72 to make me say, wow, I really need that. My S9 does not have that, let me switch. But I will do more thorough testing. I don't know, it might convince me, but I highly doubt it. And when you say you see a lot of people on the web do this, make that switch, I'm not sure if that's true. Are they really stating that they switched? Because I know that a lot of DJs have received that new rain set, either to have or to test, the review, to use. I mean, that's also promo. If you make sure that you send a set to Scratch Bastard and you send a set to whoever you name, they will post videos with that set because they're excited, they'll show it. That does not automatically mean that all of those DJs are now playing with the 72 instead of the S9. So I'm not sure if they really all made the switch or if they're just testing and posting. But we'll see. For me personally, right now, my S9 does the job really well. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. Next up, keep up the content. Yes, I will. If you're not already, uh, drop me a follow, and if you feel like it, subscribe to my YouTube channel, which can be found in the link in my bio. Now, that's not a question. The reason I'm reading this is, if you want to create some awareness for your channel, that could be your YouTube channel, it could be your Instagram account, your Facebook page, whatever it is, this is not really the way to go about it. So even though it starts with a compliment, sort of a compliment, like keep up the content. So showing some appreciation for what I do, it then automatically goes into drop me a follow and if you're not subscribed, subscribe. For me personally, this would not be an incentive to now click on the page or go to YouTube to check it out. That's not how it works. For most people, this will not be a true incentive that will really yeah, make them check it out. So what I would tell you, if you wanna spread some awareness for your brand, for your pages, you would be better off just to leave some replies a couple of times that actually add some value. So either in this case, this is the comment section for the questions, either you ask a question, or you maybe answer some other questions that you see, that will get you noticed by other people like, hey, 
that person is actually sharing something. Let me see what he's all about or she's all about. Because in this case, nothing about what you posted tells me anything about what you do besides the name that has podcast in there. So I guess you also do a podcast, but you would be better off doing it that way by adding some value. Because in this case, this is a post where I ask people to send me questions for the podcast. And instead of a question, you're telling me to come follow you on Instagram and subscribe to your YouTube channel. I know a lot of people don't easily click away and this will not be enough to make them do that. So that's just some advice, not just to the person who posted this, but if you're online looking to create some awareness, you're better off doing it by actually adding some value. Is burning mixtapes on CDs to deliver along a business card to promoters uh, and club owners still effective? So is burning mixtapes on CD and delivering those with a business card to promoters and club owners still effective? If not, what are the best ways to get on these people's radars? Now, I would say definitely still do that, but you can also go digital and just send them a link. But if you send them an actual CD, even if they don't play CDs anymore, that's going to stand out because like 100 DJs can send emails to the club and they'll all say, hi, I'm a DJ, and they'll add links to their websites. But I highly doubt that they're getting a lot of CDs now in the mail. So you're going to stand out just by doing that. So I would definitely say go for it. But burn it on CD, but make sure you also add links to those same mixes online. Because like I said, not a lot of people will play CDs because they can't. If you have a current laptop, like from the last couple of years, chances are it doesn't even have room for a CD anymore. I have a MacBook Pro over here. This does not take CDs. My car doesn't take CDs. So if someone gives me a CD right now, I have to connect my old Mac Pro and that still has the CD slot in there, the disk uh, drive in there, and, and use that. Or I would have to, well, in this case, I could use my Xbox, but that's not really going to happen. So for a lot of people, CDs are not the way to go anymore, but just send that as that eye catcher and then add links as well. So I would say definitely do that still. Now, are there other ways that you can get the promoters on the promoter's radar, on the club owner's radar? I would say go out there and try and network. Go to all those clubs and just try to introduce yourself to those people. In that case, bring your stuff as well. But you want to be out there and let people actually know. So you want to find those people online, look for hashtags for certain clubs, post there, find out who the people are, find their accounts on Twitter, Instagram, wherever. And then again, don't post comments saying, hi, I'm a DJ, follow me. But maybe find out what they like, comment on that, add some value again to get noticed that way. But you want to try and just get that attention any way you can. But networking in person by going to the clubs is one of those things you should definitely do alongside sending those CDs out there. Is the DJ controller scratching business getting better? As in the delay issue with the disc thingy getting better? Sorry, I'm bad at terminology. Um, well, if you're asking if you can scratch with controllers, there are plenty of controllers out there that are really suitable for scratching. If you're talking about latency, that's not an issue. Like there's no delay, they will work. That's not a problem. You've got plenty of different controllers out there. So technically even like the new Rain 12, that is a controller. 
It's not a media player. You don't put audio in the device. It's controlling your software. The NS7 by Newmark with the moving platters, that is a controller. And of course, like last week, I had the DDJ1000 here. That's a controller. Uh, I did a scratch session with that, the Saturday sessions for Beginners Part 2. The delay thing, the latency, that's definitely not an issue anymore. Um, so you're fine in that department. Is it necessary to beat grid all your music in Serato? Obviously, newer tracks don't need it, but a lot of old-school freestyle tracks, disco tunes are way off. What's your opinion on this? So first of all, way off, yes, if we're looking at old music, like, for instance, disco or taking it to some old soul and funk, that is not quantized music because the music was not made with a drum computer or computer and software. Those were actual musicians playing. That's an actual drummer playing. And even the best drummer will not stay 100% in that same tempo. It's going to fluctuate. It's going to go up and down a little bit. Sometimes you go a little bit faster, a little bit slower. It's not a major tempo switch, but if you ever play with some real vinyl or even with, with Serato, you take some of those old school tracks and on one side you play, for instance, a house track, just a steady beat, whatever the BPM is, and you have a disco track that has the same BPM, around the same BPM, and you let them play, you're going to hear that that disco track is going to go in and out. It's not going to stay in sync with that house track. Uh, I don't beat grid at all. Uh, it has it, it, its advantages for certain things, but I never do it. I just try to keep my blends with old school music a little bit shorter. So I'm not trying to do like a 16 bar transition that will increase the chances of having that fluctuation in the BPM short mixes, or if you do it longer, you're going to have to work it and keep your ear real close. But for some of you out there, that's harder. If, you are, if you're used to sync, that old school music is going to mess you up. Then you're going to really have to work with beat grids or fix it in Ableton. Um, but for me, I never do it. Would you recommend using an external recorder that records mixes or is uh, Serato or whatever software is used also good? You could do it all. So you could bring an external recorder. I have one right here in the studio. I'm recording my voice right now, actually, through my external recorder. I have my microphone here. Sometimes I use it connected to an audio interface. And my laptop, in this case, it's connected to my uh, external recorder. That's a Zoom H5. And I also bring that to club sometimes. And then I connect like the second master output to this, so straight from the mixer to that external recorder. It records great quality, so that's a good solution, but you could just record in the software as well. Now, I would have to do like a true comparison to see which one is better. I would say probably I will get better audio with my Zoom than with the internals in Serato, but I think that also depends on the sound card within your computer how good that is. I'm not really sure about that. I would have to actually test that. And like I said, at the beginning of the episode, right now I'm testing also a new option if you're using the 900 Nexus 2, and that is using that Rec app by Pioneer because then you get that digital output straight into your phone and that should give you very good quality as well. So you have multiple options and I would say go with whatever you can. So if you don't have an external recorder, but you're playing with Serato, record with Serato. You can do the same thing with Rekordbox DJ, record it with that. Sometimes when I'm doing Saturday sessions here or I'm doing special tutorials and I don't have extra computers here, so I'm already using my computer for the software. I did that with the Saturday sessions video I recorded recently. I did that with Rekordbox DJ and 
I used the internal recorder that's in there, and the audio is fine. So in that case, I will just use that. If I want to use the external recorder to see if I can get better audio, I can't do that. But if I don't have it, I didn't have it here that time, or I was already using it for my microphone, then I'll just use the uh, internal recorder in the software. For the modern day DJ, producer or musician, it's more important than ever to make sure you have an online presence. And having your own website is key. Bazoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Bazoogle's easy visual editor. Now all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Bazoogle to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website and that was very easy. Bazoogle plans start at just $8.29 a month and include your own free custom domain name. Now, if you want to try it out for free for 30 days, click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code SHARE to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. If the crowd really doesn't care or really can't hear or really doesn't understand what the DJ is doing, then why do we work so hard to make good blends and transitions? Since I heard you say, and I've experienced this myself, that 90% of the people in the crowd can't detect the blend or give the uhs and oohs to the song they like, then are we any better than the jukebox? Well, yes, we are definitely better than the jukebox. First of all, the jukebox only plays exactly what someone is asking it to play. We as a DJ have our personal input and we are gonna read that crowd and go off that and we should be able to do a better job than a jukebox. Now, it is true, I wouldn't say 90%, I mean, sometimes, maybe not all the times, it's definitely a fact that a large portion of the crowd is not there to listen to the technical aspect of DJing. So they're not checking for the great transitions. They're not checking to see how well you work your EQ. And even a lot of people don't hear if your scratches are any good, if you're scratching. That's a fact. People that go to parties go there to party. They want to hear good music, meaning music they like. They want to get a drink, they want to look for some guys or girls, be with their friends, have a good time. So they're not interested in the technical aspect. That does not mean that if a DJ really messes up, they don't hear. If a DJ starts to train wreck, you will get people in that crowd looking up like, whoa, what's happening? Not all of them, especially if they're intoxicated, <laughs> then they don't care anymore. But you're basically saying, should we lower our standards because the crowd doesn't really pay attention? Would you? I definitely wouldn't. Now look at it from this uh, perspective. Even if 90% of that crowd doesn't really care or doesn't really hear, there's still 10% there that does care and does hear. Within that 10% could be people that could be possible clients for you. If you start to get lazy and treat this with an attitude like, they don't hear, so why should I bother? That could cost you gigs. And for me personally, I didn't spend all this time practicing not to try and perform the best I can. And I'm critical of myself. 
So I want to make sure I do a good job. And I'm not going to slack just because, well, they're not really paying attention. I'm paying attention. So for me, it is important. Even if no one's listening, I want to get that blend straight. And I want to get that EQ nice. And even if it's just for me to hear a great blend that I can use for another gig or whatever, I'm going to be focused on performing the best I can. So your standards should not depend on that crowd. You should have those high standards for yourself and be that judge. Because technically, no, they're not paying attention. You should. You should always strive to give the best performance and to become better every time. So please do not let that affect your performance. Like I said, the 10% could be possible clients. The club owner could hear you and be like, hmm, okay, that DJ is not that good. I mean, you want to perform the best you can. Even if there's only 10 people at the party, you want to show what you got and rock that crowd. That's just my opinion, but I feel it matters. We want to keep that high standard. So I have a question about contracts, and the question is, do you have a customer agreement or contract? And if so, do you state no requests? Now, I work with contracts sometimes, but I've never had a clause in there about uh, uh, requests. Uh, haven't felt the need to do so, but I can understand that some DJs really don't like requests. If, if, if a request is like your worst nightmare, then yeah, you can try to just put that in a contract and maybe a promoter or club uh, can actually make sure that that doesn't happen. Now, I think the only way that can be done is if there's an actual barrier between your DJ booth and the crowd so they can't reach you. Or you're going to have to have security around your booth the entire time. Now, for me, I feel that would have a more negative effect. Like if I'm DJing and I have like two big bouncers on each side, keeping everyone away from me, I would not really appreciate that vibe. So, I mean, a barrier could be a thing if that's a possibility, but I've never felt the need to do so. But if you really can't stand requests or you know that there's a certain venue where you just have issues with people every time. I mean, you have these clubs and venues where you're like right in the middle of the people. And in certain places, people are really respectful or even a little bit intimidated and they won't approach a DJ easily. In other places, sometimes you do feel like they think you're like a jukebox and they can just come in and request anything they want to. And if I've had those events where you have like 40, 50 people coming over to ask questions, and especially when they see the first one ask a request, then they all, the floodgates are opened. Then it can be annoying because, not because of the actual request, but the fact that they're distracting me for what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to perform. If I have to pay attention to someone every couple of seconds, I can't focus on my performance. Now, if you know that a place is like that, in that case, I might actually just talk to the promoter in advance or the club and just tell them like, look, this is an issue. Can we do something about this? Either security or a barrier or whatever. But yeah, if you want to be absolutely sure, then you should have that in a contract. That could be an option. Can I do a DJ and percussion set at once? I mean that when I finish a mix, just move my hands to the instruments and do some percussion instead of clapping and taking selfies. Now, I think it's a great idea. Now, I've seen the combination of DJs with a percussionist, DJs with a saxophone player, all that sort of stuff. But having the DJ being the percussionist himself, that's dope. 
if you can incorporate that, and I mean, people do extra stuff. They have like their DJ set and like extra samplers and stuff like that. So it it, it happens sometimes. But if you ha- you can have a percussion set right there and you do a mix and that new track starts and you just jump on whatever you bring and you add some percussion yourself and you can still be back in time to do your next uh, transition, I think that's dope. I think it adds something that might put you ahead of a lot of other DJs. And I think that's especially appreciated for certain corporate events where they always want to have extra gimmicks. Now, when I say gimmick, I mean that with no disrespect, but for them, it is an extra gimmick. That's why I say like a DJ with a saxophone player. I hardly saw that in clubs, but I've seen so many like corporate events where they always think they have to do something extra. And then you have the DJs coming in with saxophone player or with a percussionist. I think it's even doper if the DJ is doing it themselves. I mean, that would look great, I think. So if you can do that, I think it's great. I would also suggest that you definitely tape yourself, even if you're just doing it in a studio or at home, and get some of that video online. Then you can already see the reactions and also get some of the live sets and post them. That could be an actual thing that could get you a lot more bookings. All right, so it's celebration time. Like I said, it's episode 50 of the Share the Knowledge podcast. It's a small milestone, the first of many to come, and I want to just add a little celebration. So I'm going to do two giveaways. And the first giveaway is in collaboration with Algorithm. Algorithm produces DJ software called DJ. The current version for iOS is DJ2, and they also have the version for your computer called DJ Pro and DJ Pro 2 right now. It is... Dope DJ software, if you haven't ever used software on a phone, it works great. But the dopest thing for me personally about DJ is that it has Spotify integration, which means that if you have a Spotify premium account, and I have that, you can just open the DJ software and you can find all the music on your phone and play that. But you can also play all the music that's on Spotify in your DJ software. And that also works on the DJ Pro version on your computer. Now, that means that you have access to millions of songs whenever you play with that software. And I use that, for instance, when I play at my oldest son's school party. He's 10, so we're talking young kids. They want to hear a bunch of music that I don't have and don't want in my collection. So what I did a couple of years ago is I started to download all sorts of music that I thought would be perfect for that gig. And then they were still requesting all these other songs that I didn't have and didn't know. Last couple of years, I bring DJ, and you can use it with several controllers. So I have a beat uh, pad two, three, or four, I don't know. It's a Reloop beat pad controller that works with the computer or with the iOS device. So I can even just bring my uh, phone or iPad, but in this case, I brought the computer. I can go through my own folders, but I just open up the Spotify folder and those kids were sending me requests and requests. I knew almost none of the songs. I just typed them right in there in the search box within my DJ software. It searches all of Spotify and it literally found every request that I got. So for such an event, this was perfect. So I'm going to give away 10 copies of the DJ2 software for iOS, and I'm going to give those away right here. What you need to do is make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel and that you comment underneath this video, and I'm going to pick 10 people from the comment section. Uh, Make sure you subscribe, like I said, 
click on the notifications, make sure that's active, and uh, leave a comment in the comment section. I'm going to pick 10 people from the comment section. So that's on YouTube. So if you're listening to the podcast right now, make sure you hop over to YouTube, go to DJ TLM TV, and find this video. The second giveaway is a special giveaway because it's kind of exclusive, and that is I'm going to be giving away one. Yes, only one, so it's definitely really exclusive for now one of these share t-shirts. Now, these are not available yet. So if you have this, you are the second person on the planet. Uh, No, that's not true. I gave my two kids one. You're going to be the fourth person on the planet to have one of the share shirts. They will become available later, near future. But for now, I'm going to give away one. Now, for this giveaway, for the Share the Knowledge t-shirt, we're going to use Instagram. So I'm going to have a post up on Instagram. When you listen to this podcast, it's going to be up on Instagram. And what I want you to do is make sure that you follow me on Instagram. And again, leave a comment in the comment section for the post for this right here. And I'm going to pick a winner from the comment section. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to episode 50 of the Share the Knowledge podcast. Like I said, it's a small milestone. I'm happy. I'm still trying to improve, make this show better any way I can, try to add as much value as I can. Make sure you keep sending me questions on Instagram, email, YouTube, leave a comment on SoundCloud, uh, anywhere you want. You can go to the special Share the Knowledge Facebook group and join that. I'll leave links to everything in the description box down below. And um, that's it. 